Okay, so we're talking about Sons of the Prophets, and this came out of the things that Pastor Ron's been talking about, and our conference is called Rama, is that right? I keep saying it the wrong way. Rama, and so we, I started looking at the Sons of the Prophets and where they were, and that's how this study began. And if you remember, when this word prophets is the word nabi, or that's how I'm saying it, and the actual definition means to bubble up or to boil forth words. But we looked at it from our aspect that we do, and we said, nabi prophets are those who speak with a fervor of spiritual mind, or under divine inspiration. So their spokesman, spokesman, spokesperson, uh, spokespeople for God. (laughs) And I told you guys about the seven eyes, um, the book, Seven Eyes of the Prophetic. That's what a lot of this, some of the stuff came out of, not a lot, some of the stuff came out of, I used that as a base to begin. If you haven't read it, it might be a great idea. So it's very cool. So we went through the first scripture, Numbers 1129, where Nabi was first spoken and put in scripture. And First Samuel 10, 10 through 12, where Samuel became, shall I say, overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and became part of those Nabi prophets. I remember the, these kinds of prophets are speaking, 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 speaking the word of the Lord like, like a now thing. They're, they're not prophesying things way into the future. They're speaking words from the Lord that he needs people to hear at that very moment. And it applies to what's going on around them. It's that, that kind of thing. So then we were in 1 Samuel 19 and reading 19 through 24, which we did read. And we talked, this is uh, the place where we find um, the word Rama or the place Rama. And we talked about the definition. So it's the, the home place of Samuel. It's located on a hill in Ephraim. And the definition of that word is talking about it being a height or a high place. So like all that's like a no-duh thing, really. And then Naoth, so this is Naoth in Rama. So Naoth is a city, and it means habitation or a residence. And it's um, <laughs> to rest at home. I was reading that. It's a rest home. Oh, no. For old prophets, exactly. So I did, you know, had some more stuff about Ram. I just want to talk about really quick. But I just want you to know also that Naoth is only mentioned in First Samuel 19. And the only other time it's mentioned is in the following chapter in First Samuel 20, where I think David's now leaving and going away from where he went. Because he remember he came here because Saul was after him, throwing javelins at him, all that jasmine. So he came to talk to, to Samuel. And and that's what the first Samuel 19 was all about, or part of what it was about. So we look at other things that happened in Rama because the reason we I started looking at this was to understand why were these certain cities chosen to be a place where the sons of the prophets hung out 
what what was so great about these places what was the characteristics of these places and so we got this this scripture that we talked about where we know it's it's part of Samuel's home this is this is his his hometown his region and so um the other things that happened in this place help you get a, an idea of what what's going on in that area so um Rama is mentioned the first time it's mentioned is in actually in Joshua and it's it's part of the tribe of Benjamin's region that they were to hit that they were given by God did you want to say something just that these were more than just um, places where they hung out these were actual schools of the prophets this is where Samuel was teaching yes these young men and or women if there were um, mm -hmm. about the deeper things of the Father. And I would, I would guess that these are also places, uh, the reason they were hanging out was it had to do with the deposits that God had put in those places. Absolutely. And high place or not high place, but definitely. Though in this case, um, Rama is a high place. And so there's definitely significance in that. Some other things that happened in um, Rama... If you remember, um, the kingdoms divided, Israel and Judah, and one of the things that happened in Rama, which I think I briefly touched on, was, no, this is later. I'm sorry. Other mentions of Rama in Scripture further down, further later in the script. okay. <laughs> the, the kingdoms had divided, so you had Israel and you had Judah, and remember the guy in Israel, the king of Israel and the king of Judah, they weren't always friends, but the king of Israel did not want his people to go over to Judah, did not want them to go to Jerusalem for worship, all those things. And so King Basha of Israel built a, you know, he built a, I'm going to say a fort, but a wall to prevent people from going from one place to another in Ramah. And so he didn't want them to go he didn't want him to go back and forth, but he for sure didn't want his people to go over there. And so all of that obviously got taken care of because the king of Judah, which was Asa at that time, he, yeah, he conscripted some other guy. I say conscripted, I don't know the right word to use. He used some, another kingdom that he had to deal with, and they went and chased off all those guys that were building the stuff, building the thing for King Bashar, and then they took all the stones and Judah went up, took all the stones and moved away. I love the look on your face. That does not come for me, Cameron. <laughs> well, I don't know what it's called. It, they, they build a fortification to stop people from going from one place to another. That's what Judah, King Asa and Judah and the guys, I don't, what's the, what kingdom were they from? The people they had to deal with. They had a treaty with, because it was closer to them, I guess. Let's go up, make them go away. We're going to tear down, tear down the area. So they took all the stones down so that that area was no longer there. Did I make it make sense now? Okay. All right. Other things that happened at Rama really very quickly, because I'm not doing very fast and well. Um, Jeremiah was held captive in, in Rama when he was taken captive. So... I don't, and Rama definitely is a high place. It's definitely a place of authority. Okay. And, and it was, 
a going out and a coming to, and I'm going to say a going out and a coming to the Lord at his behest or because you're inspired to come and do some worship kind of concept. That's what that what is used for to try to stop the word of the Lord being proclaimed is why they also captured Jeremiah. Stop talking that kind of a thing. So there's lots of other scriptures that use the word Rama. So it's a great thing for you guys to, like I told you, I think last week to, to go and, and read for yourself to see what's, what's happening, what's going on, what's happening now. Okay, so that's page four. Page. This is the most notes I have ever had for a teaching in my entire life. Okay. So we come to the next scripture, unless someone else has something to say, because my friend Vicki is looking things up. What you got to say, Vicki? Okay. So 2 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 25. It's a very long scripture. It's a whole entire chapter. Where's my, my copy? All right, let's get to reading. You can see everywhere the sons of the prophet are. I want you to notice anything you can, but something in here happens three times. Let's see what's going on. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you, or like not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it, or yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. I like that. He's saying, telling him to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Shut up. Okay. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away the master from thy head today? And he answered, Yeah, I know it. Hold your tongue. Hold your peace. Sorry. Verse 6, And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. I know that's a little confusing, but I hope you followed. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit come, my spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see them, hmm, slow down a minute. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. 
but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own, took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets that were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And they said unto him, Behold, now there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. Lest peradventure the spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. <laughs> I'll just cuss. And he said, you shall not send. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send. They sent therefore 50 men and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground is barren. Uh, let's just, we're moving, let's go just moving right along, right? And he said, Bring me a new, cru new cruise, almost said curse, Bring me a new cruise, and put salt therein. And they brought it to him, and he went forth under the spring of the waters, and cast the salt in there, and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. And he went up from thence into Bethel. So he went back to Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, they came, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, go, back, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned, he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears of the wood. <laughs> this, is a, this is a David story right now that David story. There came two she-bears of the woods and they tear 40 and two children of them. <laughs> he went and he went from thence to Mount Carmel and from thence he returned to Samaria. Disobedient mocking kids have some bear. Oh, the bear's going to have you. Never mind. I don't know why I'm finding some of this humorous. Where'd your kid go? Yeah, your, your, your kid was mocking the bald headed dude. So he's gone now. <laughs> no mocking. Don't mock. Be careful who you mock. Okay, so there, obviously there's a lot of things going in there. Did everybody see the thing that happened three times? Yeah. They, so they started out in Gilgal right before this chapter, but it says that that's where they were anyways. They were in Gilgal. And they went to Bethel, and they went from Bethel to Jericho, and they went from Jericho to Jordan, 
And the, that's the two guys. And every time they went there, went to the next place, Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here. But Elisha said, no. No matter what, I'm going with you. That's it. It was interesting that that happened those three times. So why did it happen? I don't think I know. I mean, I'm, first thing that pops in my head is, was it a test? Did God want to know if Elisha had loyalty to what Elijah's ministry was so that he could be part of that? I mean, that's, I just, I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm just, I mean, seems obvious to you, Carmen. Yes. So, I mean, there's, there's other things that are, that are going on. So I, you know, you, you kind of got to look at all of it to see what's happening. So let's talk about, we're going to, we'll come back to Gilgal, but let's talk about Bethel and, and what Bethel, if the city of, what it's all about. And why do we have churches named Bethel? I'm sorry, Carmen. Oh, okay. So if you look up Bethel, you can see what the, the word means. It, it does mean a house of God, I think is the right way to say it. But a lot of things happened in Bethel. And it's 59 verses that have Bethel in, in there that are referring. What does it say, Ricky? You got the look on your face. What did he say? House of God. Okay. So... Bethel is an, is an important place for sure, but it's definitely a place of worship or was, was established as a place of worship in so many, in so many ways when you look, when you look it up. But it was at one time absconded by the enemy and, and then actually King Josiah had to go and destroy those, I'm going to say high places that were set up by the enemy and taken away. And he, he went and destroyed them. So he needed to change the way things were going, and they had taken away what Bethel was, was established for. And so you can see if you look at people that like to say about it's a house of God, we're like, we, we like to say we're a house of prayer, whatever, whatever. But the overall tone of Bethel was one of worship to the Most High God. And there's lots and lots of things that you can read about it. I wrote down a bunch of them, but I don't think they're all needed to be recited again. But if you need scriptures, you let me know and we'll take a look at it. So when they were in Bethel, back to my front page over here, the sons of the prophets were there and they came and they said these words, which were kind of the same thing saying over and over again by the prophets. But do you know, Hey, you, do you know that your, your head the person that you are under the authority, okay? When you're talking about head, the person who is your authority is, is going to be taken away. And it didn't say it's going to be killed. It didn't say anything like that. I don't know what Elisha was thinking when that, God bless you, when that came up. So, but he was talking about that the Lord, that's Jehovah, the plan and purpose of God will take away thy master from thy head today. And that, that was repeated at least two times that I recalled in there. Maybe it was three, but at least two times. And who is it that's telling him this? The sons of the prophets. So the, this is a nabby word that's coming forth and being spoken. And for some reason, they thought Eli, Elisha had, had no idea what was going on. And, they, and the, so they came and spoke it. So that's an interesting thing too. Why would God 
instilled these words into these Nabi prophets, these guys, to go and speak this to Elisha, who they know is also a prophet, and say, hey, guess what? Jehovah, the plan and purpose of God is to remove Elijah from you, from your presence. And it doesn't say, like I said, doesn't say he's going to kill him, doesn't say anything like that. And yet here it is that God's reinforcing it. Now, I'd like to say it's because if, you know, you and I needed to see it more than once, but I don't, I don't think that was it. I think part of it was, and that's just me and I'm saying, I think part of the reason this happened was that we would understand what the sons of the prophets were about. And back in these days, back in the second Kings days, when these guys were roaming around the earth, that it was very, they were very important people. And that's why there was a Samuel was over them. And then apparently Elijah and Elisha began to take over that concept of teaching them, of, of gathering them together, of being wherever they needed to be. And, and, and they were speaking the word of the Lord. And, you know, Elijah, I'm sorry, Elisha, why did I ever name my cats Elijah and Elisha in the first place? Elisha, um, you know, he confirmed. So I thought about that too. He confirmed that they were right. Yeah, I know this is going to happen. Now shut up. And so I don't know, was he mad at them for telling him? I don't know, but you know, he, he was just laying it out there for him. You, you guys got it right. So it's like, I don't know how much time happened between the time they got to Bethel and then the time they went to Jericho. Because it's like, and he told them to hold their peace, period. And Terry here, I've got to go to Jericho. I mean, so it happened right after, it looks like in scripture. I don't know if there's a time period that went by or not. And the same thing happened there. When they went down to Jericho, um, a same, not the same group, a group of the sons of the prophets came forth at Jericho and they came to Elisha and they said the same exact thing. Same exact words. And what did Elisha say? I know. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know if it was that. Do you like that, Vicki? You wish I would. Okay. Sorry. So it seems like it's happening is that Elisha is, he knows he's being disciplined or prepared and everybody knows. And it's like on everybody's faces and it's in his, it's like he's the center of attention now. You know, even though his master's the one who's going somewhere, right? Mm -hmm, right. So he's like trying to be the dutiful servant and he's getting upset with everybody for the attention he's getting because of it, maybe. Because I'm thinking like, where would I, how would I feel if I was in that position, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so, and yet that's the opposite of what you think you would want to be doing for the person that's leaving <laughs> is drawing attention to yourself. And so... You know, you hmm. sort of would have that. Could be. No thought from the Vicky, no thought from the Larry. Okay. So you think about Jericho. We know some events happened at Jericho, for sure. We know about the walls that came down in Joshua, right? Then they had to walk around the thing seven times without saying a word, and then the walls fell. So and that's just one thing. And there's like 50, 59 verses of the word Jericho used as well. But remember the other thing that happened? It's the first occurrence of 
of Jericho in the Bible in Numbers chapter 22. You guys can go read that, as Pastor Ron likes to say. But Moses and Israel are moving through the land, and they just had come out of, um, um, I'm not going to say it was necessarily war, but they had just wiped out the Amorites. And this other king was coming after them, and, and Moses was like, what's going on? And God said, hey... Don't worry about it. The same thing that happened to the Amorites is going to happen to them. So it's, it's okay. So then they move on to, um, I don't know, on to Jericho. And as they get to Jericho, this other dude comes up and, and the king, and he's like, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. Well, look what they did to the Amorites. They're going to do the same thing to us. Hey, go find that guy, Balaam. Have him come over here and he can prophesy a curse, he said. Curse, you know, curse Israel. Remember the story about that? And, he, and then Balaam said, okay, no. And then he couldn't because God said he couldn't. And then he got on a donkey and tried to go to speak words against Israel. And who stood in the way of the donkey? An angel of the Lord. So... Miracles, miracles. Jericho was known for the craziest, strangest things. And there were, there were so many Israelites at the time that it would have seemed like no matter what, even if he cursed them, they'd probably still kick the butt of the, the Moab, Pete, the Moabites. Those, those are the guys that were coming against them. But the prophet couldn't speak. He couldn't even pronounce any words against Israel, not in any way, shape or form. So when you talk about Jericho, you're talking about that there's, there's this is a place, a location of unreal miracles that occurred. So Jericho is, is right the site of the walls that fell down. So it's the first time that Israel, quote, went to battle. I have to say it that way because they really didn't battle, did they? It had nothing to do with power and might the whole walls falling down in Jericho. It had everything to do with what? Devotion, obedience to the word, to what the Lord had said. And so what else happened to Jericho, right? Another miracle, right? The two guys that went into Jericho and they were saved by who? Rahab, right? And they had, she had done, she, mm, talk about getting prepared. I don't think she had any idea the things that she had done before were going to lead up to her being a person that had a, a business on the wall, the outer wall of, of Jericho. So preparation for her, she worked very hard to get there. Cause that's like a place, place of, I don't say privilege, but it's, it means that you worked very hard. You got yourself there, however you did it, but you're in this prime real estate so she had prime real estate for her business. And we don't know how that happened. We just know that if you're on the outside of the wall, I mean, on the wall, on the very outside, that's like supposed to be prime. That's the prime place to have your business. What, what kind of preparation happened there? Don't know. But the miracle was she hid these two spies from the guys that were running Jericho, right? The little, the little French peas. And... <laughs> They got away because they were able to shimmy down. I don't know. They went down a rope and escaped and they were able to get back to their people. But that was 
well, another total miracle, total, how in the world did this happen? It's pretty, to me, it's pretty crazy. So we know the, the word of the Lord came from an, to, Jer- to Joshua about how to defeat Jericho, which that also didn't make a whole lot of sense, did it? No, you're not going to go attack the walls or you can't get past them. You've you got to do it this way. He was probably going through every single strategy he could, but then the Lord showed up, gave him a strategy to defeat the enemy. So let's see. All the way in the New Testament, there was a mention of Jericho and the guy, the, the guy Bartimaeus, am I saying it right? Yes. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Tim- Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging and Jesus walked by. This was also in Jericho and he was, he was yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. And did he? Yes. He performed a miracle there by giving him a sight. So again, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stories that are related to Jericho that can give you, um, you know, a flavor of what Jericho is all about. Why were these prophets there? What was, what was the deposit in Jericho? I dare say part of it's got to be miracles, but I don't know. What, what was all the deposit that was in Jericho? I know that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, which is in Jericho, or near Jer- Jericho, by Jericho. I forget how it's worded. Um, Nimmer, the guy Naaman, and he had to go dip in the, in the Jordan River, which was by Jericho, seven times for healing. So it's an interesting place with interesting deposits. Yes. I'm wondering if um, part of what is going on here, why they're repeating this at every point, is that it's not to reinforce with Elisha before Elijah leaves (laughs) the the real importance of these schools of the prophets and Mm -hmm. his responsibility towards them. Okay. Because he was, he told them, yes, you're right. Right. Yes. So there was like, yeah. Because I know you said these are really, really important people. Well, actually, these are the only people that were willing to do what God wanted for all of his people to do. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that actually had given themselves over to um, allowing the father or the spirit to work through them and to partner in the prophetic word. Because that's God wanted Moses even said he wanted God wanted all of his people to prophesy, you know, and yet most of the people wanted someone else to prophesy for them. That's that's true. So it was like a not really a coming around, but you could say that where this is what God wanted. This is what they did. And here God's saying again, well, I want all I want everyone. So they were really all these different schools Mm -hmm. were, were patterning what the sons of God in the tribes were supposed to be doing as well. And, you know, uh, I guess Elijah, Elisha wouldn't have seen a whole lot of that either because before, I don't know how much younger he was than Elijah, mm-hmm. but I mean, there was no breakthrough word before, you know, when Samuel came on the scene. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this was kind of a new um, ignition of God's spirit activated in the land. Yeah, like a new aspect of what God was going to do. It was also a testimony of the fact that uh, all these prophets were on the same page. 
and and what one knew, the other knew as well. Mm -hmm. It was it was like That's God so true. was demonstrating His unity in how He was revealing His purpose. So every group of prophets had the same word because um, not because they had sent a runner and say, "Hey, this is the message." You know, it was that the Spirit had given this all the prophets who were functioning as they were in in the Spirit. The, the directive of what was about to happen. So each time it was a, uh, an indication that they were, had, you know, they were all functioning with the Lord in this. Mm -hmm. there, there was a unity in that. Absolutely. I think all these miracles are testimony to that because in each case, there is a bunch of the prophets being witness to each of these things being positioned on purpose by God. Like you said, like mm -hmm. they just said, <clears throat> to be that witness and de declarative uh, person, mm -hmm. they were in their business. You know, they were there. I mean, it's, in each case, it's pretty obnoxious that, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's blatantly out. We're here and, oh, yeah, we're going to send 50 men. Oh, we are, you know. Right. It was like, hey, it's our business. We already know this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you can't talk us out of it. You know, they they already had that mindset or whatever. And even though they were maybe immature in the way that we're using it, they were definitely not budging. And God, I mean, it's obvious, obviously, obvious preparation. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and this matches up with the revelation. It says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, truth will be made known. Yep. I think it's also important to remember that at the crux of each one of these areas, no matter what the deposits were, no matter what the strengths of each of these places were, the underlying factor of each one of these, because God had established prophets there, was obviously the centerpiece of everything that was supposed to go on was prophetic prayer and revelation. The people were supposed to be, I mean, that's the only reason the prophets were able to do what they were able to do mm -hmm. is because of their, they were praying and God was relaying things through them because we know that's his principle. Yeah. You know, and so you've got the house of the house of uh, God in Bethel known for worship. And I find it interesting that man has put their own definition of what worship is, which is a wonderful thing, you know, because we can think of some places around that are known, you know, by that name. Yep. And and their worship in their book is singing praises to God. Mm -hmm. But really, the underlying factor is supposed to be lying on your face. That's what worship is, lying on your face before God, mm -hmm. giving everything of yourself to him. And, and waiting for him to reveal to you what he wants spoken out. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's obvious, even if we don't know all the, the background of this to us, that the sons of the prophets have been going through a training process, a preparation process for what is about to happen and what is happening. So, you know... It goes for anybody that's involved in any of these stories. There's a, a prep time that happens, whether they understood it or not. So so I wanted to look at verse 7, because you guys had already mentioned it too, or Carmen said, And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. So we're, we're in a, a place of, of Jordan, which, like I said, is very, very near Jericho. Because it's, it says Jordan by Jericho, Jer Jericho by the Jordan. So this a, it's a very close proximity to everything. But do you guys know what the significance of 50 men? Why did they name 50 men here? 
and not name how many men were at the previous two places. Why do they name 50 at this place? So what's 50? Well, we know 50 represents Pentecost or a, the thing of Pentecost in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. So 50 men, 50 days after leaving Egypt, 50 days after the resurrection, well, Easter, whatever. So the came, came the Holy Spirit. So there's this, this, this grace moment that, that fills these, these things that are occurring. So the 50 men are obviously totally devoted to the Lord, but they also make that declaration, like Carmen said, that, that we are strong. I don't think they made that declaration because they were all that in a bag of chips. I think they made that declaration because they knew that God was with them, that they understood that they were sons of the prophets, that they were those men that would speak forth the word of the Lord, that they would speak forth what he has to say, not what they want to say. And so the, the number 50 there was just so very interesting when I read that. I'm like, wait a minute, what's 50 all about? And I had to go back and look a little bit to figure it out. Um, the word view I thought was interesting too in that same scripture, in that same verse, because it's talking about something that's in front of you. So you're, you're, you're going to have to view it, but it's like, what is conspicuous right here in front of me? It's that kind of concept. It's not like, Oh, what a beautiful view. It's like, that's a beautiful view, but what am I seeing? So they were taking it to a different, a different level of a, what a beautiful view. And what are those two guys doing over there? They were looking at what God was doing in that place. And they wanted to speak forth what was happening. And they got to do that. Well, and I was looking too at each of the occurrences. And it's like each of the occurrences with the sons of the prophets, they were representing that threefold process of the father. Because when it says Bethel, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came, the word for came there, if you look at it, it has to do to come with purpose. So you think about the promise, you receive the, you know, the purpose of what the father's doing. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at um, the prophets that came at Jericho, the word for came there, it's different. It's actually Nagaz. And it means to draw near in an intimate fashion, you know? And so when you're in that in Selah, that Selah yeah that's where you have to be before the father and that mm -hmm. point of intimate relationship. And so then the sons that were of the prophets that were in um, Jericho or by the Jordan, again, like you were talking about, they stood and they were viewing, you know, mm -hmm. standing, they're taking a stand. It's like, they don't use the word histeme, but they were staying rooted and to see the fulfillment of what the father was doing. Because when everything came to pass between Elijah and Elisha, they were the ones who were declaring that the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. Yep. That the work that the father was going to accomplish had come to a fulfillment and they were the ones there to declare that. Cool. There goes half my notes. That's a, that's very good. That's right. I mean, that's the way, obviously that's the way God works, right? Promise. Sila fulfillment. And that's what, that's exactly what it appeared when you look at the, the movements between each place, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. And there, I mean, there's other places we're going to talk about, but yes, look at that, how it went. And all this time, Elijah is with Elisha. 
and then Elijah's gone and it's Elisha. And now Elisha has all of these, these guys, these 50 men at this point, but these, these prophets that are, that are his to, I won't say command, but they, they, uh, they seemed as though they were his servants because they came and they bowed down before him. And it wasn't cause like you're all awesome and all it was understanding the power and authority that the Lord had given Elijah and a double portion from what Elisha had, which many of them knew Elisha and they probably were amazed that it really was a double portion of who he was, of who Elijah was. <sighs> okay. Where are we? I think we're somewhere in the Jordan. Say again. Verse seven. Yes, I was. I think I finished hanging there. I think. Yeah, this, there's significance in, in the numbers, like the two witnesses, because the the two two stood by a Jordan. They recognized that the sons of the prophets recognized that these guys were a transaction was occurring, something that needed to be witnessed, and they were going to be a part of that as well. And so it's interesting that Elijah took his mantle and he and he um, smote the waters right, and he divided it thither. Thither and hither. Um, <laughs> one way, the other way. And, and that the, they went over, but when Elijah left, his mantle left, was left, I mean, sorry. When Elijah was whirlwinded away, his mantle was left behind. And that's when Elisha did the exact same thing Elijah did. I also thought it was interesting the declaration that Elijah, Elisha made, mm, sorry, that Elisha made, what did he say? Where is, where is the God, the plans and purpose of God, of my, my master, Elijah? Let's see, that's way over. I jumped way far. 14, 14, yes, there he is. Thank you, Vicki. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And, and when he had, when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither and Elisha went over. It's a very interesting relation of events. Did he believe that the water was going to part and he was going to be able to go over on dry land? I, I absolutely believe so. And, and what, I mean, which water is this? It's got to be the Jordan that we're talking about, right? <laughs> so the Jordan parted that way. When's another time that the Jordan dried up so people could go over. Well, it wasn't when the Israelites left because they were at the Red Sea. That doesn't work. So how about the time they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant? And he said, and this is, this is a big lesson for all of us, right? And he told them, you're going to cross over here. And they're all staring at this water going, no way. When I step into this, it's all over for me. I don't know. could have been fast moving water. But they had to step into the river for the river to dry up. They didn't have Elisha's, Elijah's man, smack. No, you've got to step in, just step into it and it's going to dry up. I mean, that's a valuable lesson for us. The Lord told them to do it. They had to do it. Their eyes were like, are you kidding me? They had to be that way. Are you kidding me? You, no, no. And yet when they stepped in, what happened? The water dried up and rolled away. Didn't make a big wall, I don't think. I don't know. It said rolled away, and they and they were able to cross over. Them and all of the, whoever was with them, the Israelites, with the Ark of the Covenant. So there's, 
lots of things that are awesome. Yes, the 50 were, were watching the whole thing. So they, they, um, yeah, when they, the words, and we start getting into words like ra'ah. So it says when they saw him, they said the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. It's amazing. I mean, there's just so many things that are happening. And all because the school of the prophets is there. These sons of the prophets, these nabby guys are all hanging around doing what they're supposed to be doing, following what the word of the Lord is. And without their devotion, because you have to be devoted and walk a life like this without their devotion, this, I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened. I just don't know what would have happened. I don't know how things would have been relayed. I don't know how things would have been understood for the, for these gentlemen and the rest of us. So, okay, go ahead, Vicki. Just to, to, um, I guess, reinforce the point of their prayer, that bowing down is the word shaka, which is the Old oh, yeah. Testament equivalent to proskuneo. That's right. Thank you for, for reminding of me that, reminding me of that. So, um, in verse 16, 15, sorry, bowed themselves to the ground before him. End of verse 15. And 16, they go on, they said, and they said unto him, behold, now there be with thy servants, 50 strong men, let them go. And so now they want to do something that was kind of off script. Let us go and see if we can find Elijah in case God whirlwind him away and dumped him somewhere. I mean, that's kind of what they're asking you to do, which once again, don't you find that interesting? These guys are sons of the prophets. They, they are understood that, that Elijah was going to be taken away, but now they wanted to go find him. What was going through their mind? What were they thinking? I don't even know how to imagine what well, you think he wasn't dead. That's so they were going to go find him. Go ahead. It was a, a, a misplaced devotion for the person of who Elijah was. Uh, uh, they were wanting to find his body to honor it, to memorialize it, to, to make a suitable burial place yep, for it because it. of who he was to them. He was, mm -hmm. he was like their father. He was the one responsible for who they were and, and what they had learned. And so I think it was out of this devotion to Elijah that they wanted to find him and bring him, bring his body back for some type of honor mm -hmm. and um, uh, to, to <laughs> concept of him just being laying out there in the wilderness somewhere. Uh, yeah. You know, it was, it was just like, that's not right. Yeah. You know, we, we need to, we need to take care of that. It's, it's like, the Marines never leaving uh, a wounded or uh, never leaving anyone behind, never leaving anybody behind. It's, mm -hmm. it's that kind of a thing. I, it seems like they were really, um, you know, trying to pursue at that point. Right. I mean, to me, I'm, I don't know why I'm laughing, but to me, it's like, did, did Elisha bump him off, buried him somewhere in the desert? You know, now he can take over. Sorry. Just sorry. Oh, okay. Maybe they were thinking, Hey, maybe, uh, Elisha's done with him, with Elisha, oh, or whatever, however you pronounce the differences, and maybe he needs a new following. Maybe <laughs> we're going to go and follow him now, and we'll be his new groupies. Yeah, and how many days were they out there looking? Three. Once again, three. Threefold. Why? Why three days? Why not five? Why not ten? Three days. 
Okay, so, and when they came again to him, all the, all the prophets, the sons of the prophets came again to, back to Jericho, which is where Eli, Elisha was, was waiting. He was tarrying, tarrying, and um, when they came back, he was, still, he was still a little miffed with them. Eh? Did I not say unto you, go not? So, and the men of the city said unto Elisha, behold, I pray thee, the situation in the city. So now, like I said, they move on to the next thing. Okay, that's resolved. Now let's go. Now, did it happen right away? I don't, I don't know the timing of everything, right? Three days, we think, okay? I mean, it says three days. So they, they were asking Elisha to see what you can see. Can you see that this is a beautiful city, a pleasant city? Because see, there is ra'ah. But the water is not so pleasant. It uses the word not, which is the word ra, which is evil. And the ground, arets, is barren. So that word for barren, check this out. Here's Elisha, and his like first, shall we say his first duty, his first thing that he does after he takes besides smacking the water and rolling the Jordan away, now he's going to restore this land. Because you look at the word barren, those of you who have your Bible programs, it says to miscarry or to suffer abortion. So there's something that needed to come forth in that place. There was something that had to come forth. So, so Adrian, following your yellow brick road that you laid forth about promise, Selah and fulfillment, Jericho, a fulfillment occurred, and right at that point, another promise was made. Go ahead, Vic. So the word for pleasant is the word tope. Okay. So he's, they're acknowledging that the, the, the purpose of the Father is in this place. Mm-hmm. It's destined for this place. But the source of what has been running through it is not. It's in an antithesis to that. So... It's not producing anything of any new newness. There's no new birthing going on in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what really needed to be corrected. It was not just, oh, no one's getting good water to drink here. <laughs> it's, it's that the, the source of water from the throne was not flowing. Yeah. That, his turn. Are, are you going to talk about the salt? It doesn't matter. You guys are doing great. <laughs> what? Go ahead. I, I was just, you know, the salt is what, cured the, the spring. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we we're told by Jesus to be the salt. Right. So we are in that position of curing the spring, the, the pure water of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Doing that restoration. Exactly. So it's also interesting that salt solved the problem, except it's exactly what you're saying. It's not really salt in the natural that solved the problem. It's the understanding that we are the salt of the earth. We're the ones that bring that spiciness to life, so to speak, because we are sons of the prophets. We're the ones that are speaking the word of the Lord. And so, and he went forth under the springs of the waters, he cast the salt in there, and thus saith the Lord, right? I have healed these waters. Very, very cool. Okay, now I got to go back over here. All right, so of course we're running out of time because we're almost at 9.30. So the waters were healed unto that day, this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake, and he went up from thence unto Bethel. So he went back to Bethel, and he was going up by the way 
there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him. What's that word mocked? Somebody has a microphone and has it looked up. Hand it to Vicki. I guess she probably looked it up for me. Disparage? Scoff at? That's yeah. what it says. Isn't that interesting? Because, so, stay with me, because really God starts pointing things out as you read stuff, right? So, they mocked him, and how did they mock him? They picked on his head. And what? why was that so bad? It's his authority. Exactly. And so you think, come on, Elisha, have a little compassion. They're just a bunch of punky kids. Well, I don't think it, yeah, yeah. I don't think it mattered that they were kids or not kids. Anybody that would have mocked him in that fashion, after the events that have occurred all the way up to now, there is only one response that happened. He didn't call the bear from the woods. Here, bear. Come here, bear. He didn't, he didn't make a call like that. Um, he just cursed them in the name of the plan and purpose of God. Because they were trying to, I don't know if they were trying to. Yeah, they were. They were trying to, to knock this plan off of its rails. They were questioning God's authority because this was God's man. Mm -hmm. He had been set in place by fa the Father. And so they were rebelling against that and calling that into question. Yeah, and something in his curse called, made these two bears come out of the wood. And they were not just normal bears. They were she bears, you know. And they took out the children, which if you know anything about bears, that's interesting because they are very fiercely protective of their children. And they bears came and just tore them up. Go ahead. And these may or may not have been little children. I mean, True. They may have been teenagers. They may have been, I mean, it, it actually could be a youth. It could be a servant. Mm -hmm. So the, the crux of the whole thing is, is that they were obviously someone sent by the enemy and immature to at this transitional point when he's stepping into this new position of mm -hmm. not just what he was supposed to accomplish, but he'd asked for the responsibility of the ministry of two men right. to accomplish that, which is what Elijah referred to as being so difficult because well, that's a lot of responsibility. That is a lot. On. And he said, I, that's what I want. You know, mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of uh, Solomon's prayer of, at the dedication when God said, what would, I'll give you anything. What would you like? And he right. could have asked for all the wonderful things. And instead, he just wanted to be able to apply the revelation of the Lord to the people, to his life and to the people. And God said, well, if, since you want that type of wisdom, I'll give you everything you didn't ask for as well. Yeah. It's, I, again, it's, it's just it's amazing how God worked through all this in Second Kings. And other places, this, this kind of stuff is still mentioned. And you look at how he unfolded it for Elisha. And all this time before that, where was Elisha? He was learning. He was being prepared by, I'm not going to say hanging out, but by his devotion to God and his friendship with Elijah. Go ahead. I imagine this attack, too, of the bears made a statement in the spiritual realm as well oh, as yeah. in the natural realm that, Take your life into your own hands. Mm -hmm. And even the spiritual realm that God's authority is behind this man. This, his authority lays on this man. Mm -hmm. So 
deal with it. Yeah, back <laughs> off. You know, so you can see, like, easy to see all the stuff that's happening to Elijah, Elisha, and all the regions and the places that that the sons of the prophets are there, understanding the, the what the sons of the Nabi, the words that they spoke, it's spokesmen of, of God. And now, look at where we are. In our training and our understanding of God and the way that he speaks and the way that he works, none of us could imagine... I know I couldn't, that we would be in this place in our world, in the natural, the way that it looks, and how God is doing things. There's, I could not have ever imagined it. I couldn't have written it down in a journal and said, I know in three weeks this is going to happen, because God's amazing the way he does things. It's just unreal. Go ahead, Carmen. Well, I was going to say, there's one difference between Bethel and uh, the other city, um, Jer Jericho, mm -hmm. because Bethel didn't get any of the miracles. They just heard all about him. And so when he left to go there and, and all this stuff happened, water dividing twice and him going off in a fiery chair, and they're hearing about it probably. Cause mm -hmm. it's, and, but anyhow, that could have caused some jealousy. And so there was probably maybe some negative talk that these in influenced ones, the little children, uh. heard and just yeah. reacted because he just walked into the town. He was entering the town and it happened. So it wasn't like they were prefaced to do it. They've already heard, maybe. Yeah, true. Okay, so we have one scripture left, right? Okay, we're not going to get to it because it's 934, but we'll see if I'm going to finish this up and or add anything to it next week since I'm teaching one more Sunday. Show them more, Lord. <laughs> 